0: one means one let's talk about the culture of marriage on this episode of pushback If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, my dear listeners, and this is Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny coming to you again this week uh, to share something that's going to be very personal to me uh, this week. After a little bit of some jumbled podcasts over the last two or three weeks, because I was talking about, you know, personal touch and connecting with people on an individual basis. And I hope you found those podcasts interesting, but sandwiched in between those podcasts was the announcement of Roe v. Wade getting overturned. And so I couldn't uh, resist Uh, injecting another podcast in the middle of all that. So I apologize if things seemed a little bit jumbled and certainly the sound quality for my uh, abortion uh, podcast was not great because I was at camp. And you could hear, I think, the ceiling fan going and maybe a toilet flushing or something like that. It was camp. And so it was right in the middle of all that. But I had to share my heart and my joy and celebration and Roe v. Wade getting overturned. Uh, Many of my podcasts was sort of leading up to that as the possibility. And even back when Trump was president, uh, talking about the culture that was shifting that could possibly uh, make this happen. And obviously, with the uh, Supreme Court nominations that were there, um, things were ripe for change. And boy, you know, President Biden came out and said, you know, this makes us an outlier in the rest of the world. Um, but I'm thinking that's a prophetic declaration of truth because I I believe that the United States of America was intended to be an outlier, to be a city upon a hill that other countries could look at and learn from and emulate. I think this is a step. I think this is a a step of morality um, where in our country this still matters. And I know this was more of a... a uh, Supreme Court decision, not necessarily a moral decision, um, but I believe that it it does realign our country on a moralistic standpoint so that real healing can take place. And not only healing, but lives like literally saved. And that's what this really is all about. And I am going to reiterate what I said before. Don't ever get caught up into the conversation uh, that that steers away from when does life begin? Because I don't think we need to be unsympathetic toward personal rights, uh, personal liberties, um, and women's bodies. I don't think we need to say I don't care about those things because I think we should and ought to care about those things. but those things don't trump human life. it doesn't it doesn't allow or leave room for, murdering an unborn child. And that's really what this is talking about. And so whenever you find yourself in a debate, which is really a lot of what this podcast is about, is being able to talk to the world about culture so that we can find that place of hope and healing in our culture. If you find yourself in that debate, don't allow yourself to get steered away from the one simple question, when does life begin and continue to ask people that question because you're going to get different answers. You're going to get a lot of stammering and stuttering because people don't really know. And so if we don't know, then we can't make the mistake of being on the wrong side of history, which I believe we have been for the last 50 years. And so unlike Nazi Germany that allowed a culture of death, to take place and citizens felt like they were powerless to stop it. I, I don't believe that's the case right now. And I want to be part of history that said we stood up and life mattered. So this is meaningful to me. And you're going to hear a lot more about this because it still is the number one cultural issue and it's not gone out of our country. And our current leadership is fighting to maintain every bit of the culture of death that has been maintained over these last 50 years. And the principalities and the powers which we are truly warring against are not simply going to go away or dissolve. Um, In fact, they're going to rage and rise up. And we just need to be ready. We need to be ready. Uh, We need to put our money where our mouth is. We need to put our homes where our mouth is in regards to adoption and and caring for human life. Um, And we need to rise up as the church this, is our, this could be and should be our finest hour because I believe we um, took our hands off the wheel uh, to allow this to happen in the first place. And now that we have another chance, I believe that we need to jump all over that. I want to talk today about something that's very important to me because my son is getting married uh, when, I'm di- when I'm doing this uh, podcast uh, in about five days. So on Saturday, July 16th, and I'm super thrilled and proud of him and delighted in my future daughter-in-law and um, how our family is growing. And and so there's, this is a week of preparation and a week of celebration uh, for us as we're getting ready to have the wedding on our property. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, my wife and I had one job and that's to keep the lawn alive (laughs) because we're having an outdoor wedding and so far so good. We had a little storm move through yesterday and dropped a bunch of rain. And so we were very thrilled by that. So I think things are looking pretty good in that department. So, uh, I think we're, we're getting ready, but there's still a lot of work to do. Um, as you know, um, as you can see the GoFam ministry sign, uh, above my head here, that we have a family ministry. And one thing that we do is is marriage courses. And so that's super dear to my wife and my heart uh, as we share our heart on what we really feel marriage is. And so this podcast is about culture. And so I want to talk about the culture of marriage. And I, I don't think it's too hard for us to realize that the world today has sort of blown up or disregarded what we would consider true culture of marriage and what the Father really intended for marriage from the beginning of time. But I would also contend that I don't think the church has really gotten it either. As we sometimes get um, enveloped in the world's culture, sometimes we can get a little dulled, uh, a little um, um, a veil over our eyes as far as what the truth is and what the original intention was for marriage itself. And so I always contend even in culture that there's a lot of different things now being called marriage, but because we call them marriage, it doesn't make it a marriage. And I believe that's true in the church. I believe that's true in any covenant relationship of marriage, that if we don't know exactly what it is, um, it doesn't change what it is, <laughs> if that makes sense. I'm going to probably reveal something to you today that maybe you've never heard before about you and your marriage. And because you never knew it doesn't mean that it's not true or because you maybe not even believe it doesn't make it not true. Truth isn't dependent on what we believe. Truth is truth and it comes from heaven. And so I want to go back to Genesis chapter two, where the father tells us what he intended for marriage from the very beginning of time. When we sinned and we walked away from his perfect plan, it didn't cancel his plan. It didn't cancel his perfect idea of what marriage should and is. And so I believe it would be really smart for us to explore Genesis 1 and 2 as much as we can because it's a snapshot of time of history before sin entered the world and we walked away from his perfect plan. And Jesus came not to implement plan B. Jesus came to restore plan A. He came to restore the heart of the Father over the face of the earth. And at the center of his heart is family, at the center of his heart is culture, which is what he created for us. So let's read in Genesis 2, 20 through 24, what his culture for marriage was. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This is what's going to happen with my son in about five days. Uh, There's going to be a miracle transformation that takes place. The word one in one flesh uh, is the word echad, E-C-H-A-D. And it's a, it's a beautiful, powerful word, and it does mean one in a singular sense, but the best interpretation of the word echad is actually the word unique. So a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one unique flesh. Something new, something different, something that never existed before. Remember in Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The word is echad and i don't believe it's talking about the trinity the three in one i don't believe that's what's referring to it's the word unique hero israel the lord our god the lord is unique there is nobody like him there's nothing comparable to him and on a marriage day i believe this is what happens there is a miracle transformation that takes place that actually transforms two people into one flesh now you may say no that just sounds kind of weird or I didn't sign up for that when I got married and my response to that is I don't really care because that's what happened. <laughs> it's a it's a miracle transformation and 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 I always tell people before a marriage ceremony takes place that we're about to witness a miracle. It's nothing short of that. It's I'm not making this up. I'm not trying to romanticize this. This is what happens when a couple covenants with each other and says, I do, and legally become bound together in marriage, they actually become something completely unique. And, and this may shock you, but the two people that existed prior to the vows no longer exist. That's what it says. See, we in our culture, our worldly culture, we talk about you know, two pieces of a puzzle that fit perfectly together, that we go through life, one singing melody and one singing harmony. Or in reference to Tom Cruise, <laughs> you complete me. I believe you complete me is supposed to be some kind of romantic gesture, but I actually believe that it's a misguided gesture that actually puts an, an onus on the other person that they could actually never fulfill. We actually are completed by a loving father. Well, we're complete and satisfied in him. But when we become married, we're not just two pieces that fit perfectly together to form something bigger or different. We actually become each other. We actually become one unique flesh. So you don't complete me. You are me. (laughs) Maybe this blows your mind, but this is actually what the words say. We have a, a, a saying through our, our house, through our teaching that, you know, it's kind of like when you get married and you put your hands together. One person has red paint and the other person has blue paint and you press your hand together and it becomes the purple hand. We don't, we don't look at the color purple and say, oh, what a beautiful red blue. <laughs> we actually see it as a different color. There's red and there's blue that's in there, but it becomes the purple hand. And so often we, even in our own family, refer to the purple hand. The purple hand made the decision because we are now one flesh. There is no me without you. You don't complete me. You are me. And that is what happens on a wedding day. That's what's going to happen with my son in five days. And I couldn't be more excited. Jesus knew that this concept would be difficult for people to understand. And so he uh, reiterates this as he's talking to the Pharisees. And he answered to them and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? This is Jesus talking now. This is New Testament. And said, and he quotes Genesis, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then... Or other versions say, therefore, or as a result of this truth, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Jesus goes back to Genesis. Why? Because he came to restore plan A. He came to re-present plan A to the earth. And he talked about At the beginning, this is how the Father made them to be. And they are going to become echad, a unique flesh. So what does this mean? It means they are no longer two. I'm just going to keep saying it. They are no longer two, but one flesh. One. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Two pieces of a puzzle can easily be separated. Two parts of a song can easily be separated when you are one unique flesh, when you are the purple hand, there is no separation. And this is the way heaven sees marriage. That you actually become one. One unique flesh. They said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning... It was not so. This makes my heart sing because it proves the fact that Jesus came and cared about the beginning of what the Father intended for us. So, this is about a culture of marriage. See, we believe or have believed or believe the lie that we can become married and still have our own individuality, that we can still be our own person, that we're just going through life together, assisting each other through the journey of life. One's in the driver's seat and one's in the passenger seat and we just sort of tool through life. It's the wrong picture of what the Father actually created. What he created for us was oneness, was a unique echad experience that took place when I said I do, when you said I do, when my son says I do in five days from now. This idea of a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh was written in Genesis. It was repeated in the Old Testament. It was repeated by Jesus. It was repeated by Paul later in the New Testament. I always learned in medical school when something was repeated that it's very, very important. It's probably going to be on the test. (laughs) I believe that's the case. I believe it kept coming back to the original purpose and call and vision for marriage because that's what Jesus came to restore. And so one flesh is therefore, according to Jesus, means that we are inseparable. It's the purple hand. You can't pull out the red and the blue out of the purple once it becomes the purple hand. And maybe that blows up our whole independent mindset that we have in America and across the world about what marriage is. Marriage is a binding covenant relationship where the person that was present before the wedding, no longer exists. They become echad. So don't we have our own individuality, our own goals, our aspirations, our own dreams? Aren't we our own person with our own destiny? And the answer is no. (laughs) No, you are one flesh, one unique flesh. Now, please hear me in this. Oneness doesn't mean sameness. Sameness. We have different skills, we have different anointings, giftings, we have different gender differences, but they're no longer our own. It is, it is drawn into the Echad relationship, where we are one flesh with our spouse. So my friends, I believe it's time that we actually restore the culture of marriage When my son gets married in five days, what I want to say is that this is extremely important. This is inherent culture. This is critical culture to what the Father created for us from the beginning of time. This is not a trite ceremony with a reception to follow. Is that what we've reduced it to? Have we reduced it to wedding invitations and how many chairs do we need? And what are we serving for dessert? Is that what we've we've reduced it to? I refuse to let that happen. And I submit that to you and to your families and to the marriage culture that's present across this country because I believe that can transform fundamentally our culture when we get and understand who and what we are in marriage. I love talking about marriage. I love talking about the culture of marriage. I love the fact that he uses marriage itself to actually describe the church. When he talks about the comparison of church and the bride and the groom, the question is, is he talking about church or is he talking about marriage? Well, when he wrote it, marriage had been around for thousands of years, but the church was brand new. And Jesus and Paul and and those used the church used marriage as the example of the love relationship that we would have with Christ. See, Christ doesn't want a relationship where he controls or 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 we just ride along with him in the passenger seat. He doesn't want that. The Bible actually says that he calls for oneness that we are his echad that we are inseparable from him that he is our bridegroom and we are his bride and we are drawn to him in oneness how beautiful and more powerful is that as a picture that we are co-seated we are co-yoked we are we are co-led by him we are co-heirs We co rule and we co reign with him. Why? Because we are his bride and we are his echad. We are his one flesh. We are his purple hand. That should just give you goosebumps. That's what he designed for us. That's what the Father created for us from the beginning of time. One means one. One means one. And no matter how uncomfortable that makes us feel, that's what scripture says happens when we enter into the covenant of marriage. No longer two, but one. So this is a week of celebration for me and for my family. And if Ben is listening to this podcast, I'm proud of you, son. And Hattie, welcome to the family. And as we look forward to celebrating the miracle of oneness in five days and the growing Clausen family. (laughs) It is so exciting and so exciting to be part of it. I bless you. I bless you and your family. I bless your marriage. Maybe this has has opened your eyes to uh, a greater understanding of what the culture of marriage is. My wife and I teach at Wilderness Fellowship. You can Google that. Uh, Wilderness Fellowship is just across the border from Minnesota into Wisconsin. It's a beautiful retreat center. And three to four times a year, my wife and I go for a weekend and teach our, uh, It's called the Ultimate Marriage Course. And it's about this. It's about culture. It's about fully understanding the fullness of what God created for us in marriage. And I believe that it will bring transformation. We've had incredible testimony of how lives, marriages, and families were changed and transformed by this teaching. So I encourage you to connect with that. It's booked out quite a ways. I'm happy to report, so it might be a little while before you can get in, but um, I encourage you to come. It's a beautiful place to just get away and, and with each other and, and and go to deeper places and more intimate places with each other and learn about God's original plan and culture for marriage. So please look that up. It's also on our website, gofam.org, gofam.org. And if you have questions, comments, about this topic, about what's happening with Roe v. Wade, um, the excitement that's going on um, in this country, as well as the things that concern you. If you have questions or topics that you wish to have discussed on Pushback, I encourage you to go to pushbackculture.org. Pushbackculture.org. Leave me a message there. And there's also links. It's an easy place for people to find links either to the YouTube video or to the podcast uh, audio uh, every week. So until next week, let's go together now to set and shape the culture.